Hey everyone, we're back with another podcast today. Uh, I'm super excited about this gentleman. I met him in Nashville at an event about two or three months ago. Uh, he's running some big time stuff. Uh, he's a big thinker like us. And so I'm super excited to have him on today's podcast. So we're going to introduce him in just a minute. However, in the meantime, if you guys have any questions, reach out to myself. We'll also get you Kevin's information. You can go out to mycalendly.com, Mike Nelson IHG, set up an appointment with me. Happy to chat about anything real estate related, anything EXP related, you name it. Just put it out there. Reach out to us and uh, I'd be happy to talk with you about anything. After that, we're now going to open the door to somebody that I'm super excited to have continued conversations and big thinking things around. And uh, this gentleman's name is Kevin Patterson. So today, Welcome, Kevin, to the show, and I'm excited to have you here. Thank you, Mike. Absolutely. So Kevin's really going to come from the property management side of real estate. Um, he is blowing it up over in California, specifically Palmdale, I believe, in that that area up and down the coast. And I'll let him get into a little bit before I butcher it all up. But uh, Kevin, maybe give us a little introduction about uh, your background and uh, what big things you're doing around the property management side. So... Um... Kevin Patterson. Uh, I own a company called Rent Source Corporation. Our home office is in the uh, Palmdale, California area. We do service all through all uh, Southern California from Barstow to San Diego. Uh, we manage a little over a couple thousand doors, single family residents primarily, a little bit of commercial, a little bit of multifamily. Um, been doing real estate for 20 years. In 2014, kind of just, you know, I was making almost a million dollars a year in real estate during the REO market. It was really good. We did a lot of, did a lot of REOs and just got burnt. I got burnt really bad and just chasing that dollar every day. So kind of, I didn't quit real estate to say, but I pulled back on all of my real estate in 2014 and then just started property management, you know, looking for that, that steady income, that monthly income. So what what kind of what did that transition look like? I mean, kind of like what what gave you that idea? Um, talking to some people that you know, I, I was a go getter, um, always looking for the next best thing, and started talking to some bigger brokers that had management companies and with their uh, brokerages as well. And you know, the three or four that I really got a chance to talk to in depth pulled me aside different times when I'd be asking these questions, and they'd be like. You know, at the end of the day, because of the high ups and the big downs, you know, um, he said, man, property management is actually what keeps us alive during the down market. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we make a lot of money in the up market, but these down swings just kill us. And the agents still want their splits. We still have all the overhead, you know, all the bills and everything like that. Property management is what keeps us alive. So I really started to think like, you know, it, it, it struck a, a chord with me and made me realize that you do really good in, in the real estate side, but how many realtors do you really know that are still 67 years old selling real estate? There's a lot, and there's a reason for it, you know, because they don't teach you any business. They just teach you to go out there and hustle for the next, you know, you're always hustling for the next deal. And I thought, man, I, that, that don't, that doesn't sound good to me. So that's kind of what sh that struck that chord, got it going, you know, and, yeah, I'm glad uh, you said that because I like just shot a video that'll come out on one of our YouTube channels about like, can you retire in real estate, right? And so then we, I dove into that a little bit about like, oh, well, okay, not probably just selling homes and not probably just having a database, but investing and residual income strategies, which is right what you're talking about with the property management side. Correct. And, and, and that was it. You just had to have that residual income because 
when you're constantly, you know, chasing that next, that next hustle, it makes it very difficult to be able to, on a long-term basis, be able to invest because you, sometimes you're doing really good, you know, and you can invest a lot. And then sometimes it's really bad markets start to dry up. And then now you got to go pull all your investments back. So what do you got left? You know? And I think one of the things I always hear, and it's very true is there will always be renters. Always. Always. I mean, there's always going to be people buying and selling homes too. However, there's always going to be renters. <laughs> and I think, I think you're, I think the market's really changed over the last 10 years to a better, a bigger focus on renters. I mean, you can see it right now that the government's getting 100% involved and whether people want to believe it or not, the government's 100% involved mm -hmm. in how the rental market is, how much you can rent houses for, um, how much you can rent increase. State of California, we have a, a statewide um, rent cap. Mm, okay. And it's 5% plus CPI in most cases. Okay. I did not know that. Okay, cool. All right. Awesome. I think you're going to see that across the nation, especially as more and more people become. I mean, what, what no one sees behind the scenes is that you got big companies like Invitation Homes, uh, Key Point, Blackstone. I mean, these big institutional buyers. You're, I, I don't believe that you're going to see REOs like we've seen in 2007, 8, and 9. I think the institutional buyers are already set in place. The banks are already working with them. Well, I know for a fact the banks are already working with them. And instead of those, we're having foreclosures right now. People don't believe it. We're having foreclosures. They're just not seeing it. Yeah, the absolutely. Tell them directly to the institutional buyers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's an interesting thing is when you talk about, you know, when the market goes up, the market's going to come down. That's just flat, basic one-on-one economics. And are we closer to that? Probably, you know, Gary Keller, one of our big protégés and Keller Williams would always say, every day you're in a good market, you're one day closer, as simplistic as it is to, to a bad market, right? No, none of us have the crystal ball. Um, I think we can look at today's economics and we can look at some things going on and suggest that we're perhaps closer to that than we were a year or two ago based on right. the conditions of things pre-COVID kind of thing. But, you know, talk to me a little bit about that. Like, like if I was interested in getting into property management, you know, what, what are some of the things I would start with? What are some of the metrics I should look at? I know you and I, I think have talked about, and you can correct me wrong if I'm wrong on the numbers, but you know, you need about a hundred doors, right. To, to, to at least start to have that first goal. Would that be correct in my statement? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and when I first got started, I'm just going to step back just a little bit. When I first got started, I actually did not take a paycheck from my property management business for three years. Okay. So I went three years without taking a single dime from the property management company. I still did sales on the side and that's what kept me. Okay. Every dollar that I made um, went to hiring people, you know, yeah. and that was my, I, I found that you got to hire the people first and then, you know, build your foundation and then be able to spread out or go deep. Yeah. Direction. And what's kind of that? I may be diving a little too deep into it, but I've, I've heard numbers of like, you know, obviously employees and hiring takes a hit to obviously your profit. Um, and obviously over hiring um, causes, you know, the challenge of loss of profit. So kind of what's that formula look like? Is it so many doors per hire or what does that look like? Yeah, I, I, was, I mean, we kind of did the numbers. Well, back then it was 75 doors put us at about one, one employee for every 75 doors was okay. a number that really worked. Uh, now that number has actually changed. I think we're closer to about a hundred doors per employee because um, in 2014, I believe my minimum wage was still $8 and 50 cents an hour in California. Now I'm over $15 an hour minimum wage in okay. California. So okay. that number goes up, you know, and, and unfortunately 
like especially the state of California where we have state uh, tax, where we pay for every dollar that the employee pays in taxes, we pay that same dollar. So yeah. Okay. It's a That's, big number. Yeah, that, that is a big number. And that makes sense. So if I were to ask you, like, I know there's like a lot of rub against licensed agents running property management companies because there's a spotlight from Department of Regulations. A lot of brokerages don't want to support having property management just because of that extra set of eyes, that extra scrutiny, extra audits by the state and things like that. So maybe talk to me about that. Is it wise to have a license and be in property management or is it wise to partner with a serve company like yours? I mean, just maybe talk to those scenarios with me. So, I mean, we, we push heavily to, um, collaborate with a company like ours. What we do is we go into like Remax as Keller Williams and other places, other big brokerages, especially in California, because we actually have to carry a different insurance. We have to carry a different, you know, insurance and most brokerage in California do not want the DRE to come in there and start auditing their office. Um, most brokerages in California do not accept any kind of earnest money deposit. When a, when a buyer comes mm-hmm. in, that money goes directly to the escrow company and not to the broker first, because, um, you know, you just, you have to have all the trust account findings set up and all that. And you don't want the DRE to start digging on you, especially if you own, um, like an escrow company or you're affiliated with a lender or anything like that, because once they get in the doors, they're going to just, they're going to hit everything like that. And I, I believe our numbers at the last meeting we had with the DRE last year was 70, 68%. 68% of property licensed property management companies in the state of California get audited by the DRE. Yeah. So it, it's a number. Yeah. And, and it was only, it was only something like, like five or 7% of real estate offices actually get a DRE audit. Okay. Because they're not doing, you know, for the most part, they're not dealing with any kind of trust funds and that's what yeah, I think it's the trust funds that get people in the biggest trouble. Yeah, that's least that's what I heard, right? Is yeah. the commingling and uh, not having keeping up with your trust funds and maintenance fees and right. things like that and having it very articulated. And so it's real easy for um, an agent, especially like an agent starting to hurt a little bit, or you know, rents in California average, I don't know, twenty-five to three thousand, four thousand dollars. And when you're dealing with you know four and eight thousand dollars security deposits alone, it's real easy because we hold the security deposits in a non-interest uh, bearing trust accounts. So it's real easy for an agent to, you know, m- borrow money, misplace money, you know, say it and, it, and brokers don't want to deal with that because they're ultimately, they're on the hook for it. Even yeah. And, even yeah. I mean, in the state of California, once you sign your paper on that contract, you're liable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I've, I work with a lot of real estate agents and sometimes financial bookkeeping is not their strong suit. And believe me, you, you believe me, <laughs> I believe <laughs> you. <laughs> that is the one thing that Dora is looking for or uh, Department of Regulations is looking for is probably the first thing they do is give me your books. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. And, and you know, it can be something I don't, I don't ever want to say harmless because once you take someone else's money, it's no longer harmless. But mm-hmm. like, oh, I have a deal closing, but I need to pay this bill and I got this money. I'll go ahead and just pay that, you know, yeah. or or it could be something as super innocent as running a, uh, an accidentally running the wrong um, uh, debit card. Yeah. You know, and I think you're looking at things too. Like it's a little more contentious because of like, I'm holding your security deposit, Mr. Or Mrs. Renter. Right. And then they mm-hmm. want to flag that up the chain. You So you probably experience a lot more, you know, of those potential 
justified probably you know situations that's not going to make a tenant happy and the first thing they're probably going to do is try to right threaten litigation and or regulations against you correct correct and it only takes one call i mean we get audited at least once if not twice a year just from people not happy about their disbursement of their um, security deposits mm -hmm. you know they feel that they don't need to pay for something whether they damaged it and the owners feel that hey that's damage and you know we're kind of the a liaison middleman to say yeah. we have to explain to the owners you know whether this was tenant damage or if it's normal wear and tear mm -hmm. and we have to do the same thing for the tenants you know your dog or your kid drew on the walls that's not normal wear and tear right absolutely okay that makes sense so if you were to kind of say well give me like your top two or top three like pros like if you were trying to sell me on to getting into property management what would those top two or three pros and i know you've hit on a couple of those as an agent or yeah. a, well, even agent or maybe non-agent, right? Maybe we look at that through two different lenses. So I think like as a non-agent, well, as an agent, let's, we'll start with an, as an agent. I think that, you know, I always sell, pitch it as for our property managers, all of our property managers have to be licensed in the state of California. But I pitch it as steady income, you know, mm -hmm. plus opportunity for bonuses and commissions. Um, we offer, you know, medical and full medical, um, full retirement, but we, we match um, retirement. So I think the stability and ability to be in the real estate world with, with, with stabilization is a, is a great pitch. Cool. Works really okay. Good for us. Okay. Awesome. No, I appreciate that. I like that too. And I, and I think that's kind of where the, the weird lines are blurred is the agent license versus non-license because you're held to a higher, I don't have a higher standard, but just the uh, the risk is maybe a little bit more, has some additional burdens to bear, shall we say? Correct. Okay, cool. Um, as far as like somebody, if somebody was interested, let's just say, let's talk license world, um, knowing that maybe they're not, it, it might be a little bit more litigato, litigation, a little bit more risk as far as like wanting to run a property management company. What's some alternatives that they have? I know you guys offer some partnerships and some things like that. So just kind of looking at if I was sitting here going, hmm, okay, I've heard what Mike and Kevin have said, you know, it helps in the down markets. I need some residual income. I'm licensed. So I'm not sure that I want to take on that risk and try to find a brokerage that's going to support that. What would my options be? So I, I think your options kind of, um, again, we go into, and I hope I'm giving the right answer to the question. But we go into these brokers um, and let them know that, hey, we'll come into your office. We'll set up in your office. For every um, property that one of your agents refers to us, we'd normally charge. Uh, I really can't get into percentages because it, but there's a percentage that we charge mm -hmm. on, a, uh, on a per house basis. And I'm going to just, for simplicity, we'll use $1,000 a month at 10%. So that $100 that we charge the tenant, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, that we charge the owner for management fees, we would give that once a year to the agent or to the brokerage and the broker usually passes that on to the agent. Okay. That's the real fee. Okay. So we go in there and basically use it as a sales point. Like we're going to nurture and hold your investor. We're going to give you every year, we're going to give you one month of our management fee back to you as a thank you. And two, three, five, 10 years, however long it is down the road, when that investor says, hey, you know, Kevin, we want to sell our house. Perfect. You know, we're going to give it back to you because Mr. Smith was the agent on this and he needs, you know, Mr. Smith uh, needs to sell his house. And yeah, so what I like about that, 
Yeah, what I like about that is that relationship of you guys not, quote unquote, I'll throw the words out there, but maybe being real estate agent licensed, which some of you guys are, right? But however, the thought would be, you know, it does kind of keep the lines differentiated between we're going to run the property management side. As an example, if I partner with Mike, he's going to run the buyers that come through. Uh, he's going to run the, the investors or the landlord's properties through selling. So to me, there's no, I know sometimes there's conflict of interest perceived right. sometimes of, hey, the property management company is going to develop the relationship such that are they going to take the buyers that are going to go from rentals to buyers? Are they going to have the relationship with the landlords more tightly knit than Mike does because of their monthly engagements and things like that? Correct. And we do. We do. We absolutely have a, a, a higher engagement with the landlords because as agents, I mean, you know, as well as I do, agents, once they close a deal, we'll ask them the next time they talk to that, that buyer or seller or buyer or whatever it happened to be. You know, especially on an investor, they don't. And that's the reality. I'd say 98%, maybe even 99, that's probably a pretty big number that do not ever touch that person again, whether it's through a CRM, to a drip campaign, you know, they just don't do it. And, and the very highly successful agents do. Mm -hmm. And those are the only ones that do. But out of all the agents, I would say that number is one to 2% of people that actually touch back. So we have that ability to, we have your name as the agent. We have your owner as your as your buyer, and we hold that relationship and nurture that relationship for as many years as possible down the road. If that uh, investor comes back to us and says, "Hey, I want to buy more houses," we don't say, "Hey, we're going to sell it to you," because at RentSource we don't do sales. Um, we only do property management, and so we send it back to you know we go back into our database and see who the agent was that referred it to us. And we give it right back to that agent, give them a call and give them a heads up. Hey, this is what he's looking for. Because we'll ask leading questions on, you know, what is it that you're looking for? Um, you know, we, we educate these investors to constantly want to keep purchasing because it helps us. Mm -hmm. So the more houses they own and the more money I can make them, the better off we are. And in turn, the better off the agent and the brokerage are. Yeah, absolutely. Win-win uh, for everybody. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. That's a win-win for everybody. I mean, I, I will give you my history and I think I've told you just a little bit about it, Kevin, but yeah, I looked at opening property management because Gary was saying the same thing. If you're a big agent and you don't have a property management division, you're missing a huge opportunity and you're missing that yin and the yang, right? Market balances and rebalances and, and exactly what you're saying, right? And right. so I, it's spot on. And my history was I looked at open at one and at the time I just did not want to carry the burden uh, this is just a personal decision of mine of, of hiring, building something again, because I was in the middle of building expansion and, you know, it's right time, right circumstances for everything. And at the time, it wasn't the right thing for me. However, I've moved more into partnerships and my thinking of everything, whether it's mortgage, whether it's title, whether it's property management. So right. opportunities like this are always exciting to me because if somebody's already built it, if you will, or at least has the it's like why people join an expansion or a team is because mm -hmm. the stuff's already built, the systems are there, the influence is generally there. It's a plug and play. Look, as a business owner, I'm not against doing the exact same things. I'd rather plug and play into somebody's systems. I may not be able to monetize it as highly as you know I could on my own. However, what is monetization based on how many hours, how much labor, how much failure you have to put in, how much money you lose, right? I'm, I'm, of course, I'm a little bit older now, so I'm, I'm less about <laughs> building stuff from the dirt <laughs> versus tagging on and partnering with others that are already exhibiting success. Yeah, and that, that was kind of what we did was like, well, you know, we started from the ground up, but the first thing we did was we realized that these 
how come every how come every real estate brokerage out there doesn't have a property management company? So that was like the first question, the why. And then when you find out the reason, because they don't want to deal with the DRE or have to deal with the money or have to babysit that much money, um, you know, now you have your answer. So we created a, a solution to the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how we've grown. Yeah, I love that. And I've met with some other people that have like doing expansion, um, you know, models or franchise models with their property management. And it's a pretty, it's just like real estate to some degree. There's a lot of opportunities there. It's just a matter of how far, how high and how far do you want to push. And I know you're kind of one of those big thinkers. Um, how many, how many doors did you say you had? Like 2000? Uh, yeah, we have a little over, we have a few thousand doors. Yeah. Single okay. family doors. Okay. With five offices throughout Southern California. Okay. Awesome. Okay, cool. Well, if anybody wanted to kind of pick your brain or get more information about anything they could do with you, is that something that you're kind of open to? And I oh, yeah, share your information. Yeah. Okay. We love to share our information. We love to give our ideas. I mean, I, we, we encourage it, you know, because we, there's so many people that, that do it and give the property management world a bad name mm-hmm. that we encourage, you know, all the questions to help you get on the right track. If that's something you want to do, if you want to utilize our services, we are getting ready to expand into the Tennessee area, specifically the Nashville area. Mm-hmm. So where okay. I'm actually out here right now, and that's, that's what I'm doing is looking to purchase either purchase existing property management companies or team up with somebody to, you know, so we'll start from scratch. It doesn't matter. We have the ability, all the back ends, all the same. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, on the ground is the only difference. I love that. You're, you're right. We're, we're working together or working similar strategies in different, slightly different industries, shall we yes. say. So that expansion model is really cool and, and super exciting. Um, all right, cool. I think what I'm going to do is like uh, Kevin's got an awesome, like coming from value uh, proposition, like he's a big charitable guy. He's ingrained into a lot of um, different uh, nonprofits and things like that. However, for today's episode, I think we'll cut that one short, but we will invite Kevin back. And I'm super excited to hear more about that because I think he's really, from what I've heard, got some pretty dialed in strategies on how he supports communities and nonprofits. And and certainly that gives opportunities back his way. And we've always heard, you know, if you come from giving, you'll receive, you know, just by giving. So, yeah, absolutely. It's It's a lot of fun. I'd love to talk to you about more about that. Absolutely. Well, we'll set up another time and we'll do that because I'm a big believer in that. And where I think you've done it better than what we've done is you come from giving first. We came more from giving after we built uh, our stuff and your business has multiplied because of that strategy. Correct. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up with Kevin today. Uh, I'm actually going to stick around and talk to Kevin a little bit more after this call because he's got me kind of excited and juiced up about some uh, property management opportunities and learning a little bit more about what we can do together. Uh, And in the meantime, Kevin's here. I'm going to put, once we get this this video edited and put out, we'll put it on his page and uh, I'll have it on my page and our YouTube channel and uh, we'll generate some questions for you, Kevin. Sounds good. Thank you, Mike. All right. Thanks so much, Kevin. I appreciate you.